Well, I don't know if many people know what's going on up here in Canada, but there's um, there's uh, some entropy, some craziness going on up here. So I thought this was time to look at forecasting. I've been right about a lot of things lately, so I'm going to apply my forecasting to this. Now, about four years ago, just about four years ago, there was, um, what would you call it, uh, not the first, but uh, the very, a very early example of essentially cancellation of a group for having a fringe minority being cancelled for having unacceptable views. And at the time, it was, I believe it was, I won't even mention the group, because it doesn't matter. Any um, disenfranchised group, any cult, uh, holding ideas that are uh, fringe or out of the norm, uh, fringe is more of an insult. So I, I was actually right. So uh, at the time, this tiny fringe group um, made a, a couple people uh, into extremists, but it was a nothing um, group. There really wasn't anything. We really could have fixed it very easily by being um, open. And But long story short, we didn't. We cracked down on them. We tried to uh, even get rid of different websites. And yeah, we got rid of one website and it just made it pop up into a dozen more. So what I wrote was, an insular, an insular culture radicalized by the suppression of their opinions and further fragmentation from society at large. Right, So an insular culture that's radicalized by the suppression of their opinions are then further fragmented from society at large. Trying to suppress their ideas only leads to greater radicalization. The studies show this, and shaming others for their lack of understanding, or worse, ignoring real issues for a progressive agenda, is just as harmful. The disenfranchised need a voice. They want to be understood. They want to be part of society. I have little knowledge of these specific groups, but this is a chronic issue for all peoples. Individualism is at the heart of who we are, and it is rarely celebrated in our society of conformity and consumption. Compassion is what is needed before a tragedy even more so than after. And I wrote that uh, the 25th of April in 2018. Um, and now since, it's kind of showed itself as being prophetic because I thought I was just writing about one insular uh, group. But in fact, one insular group has tried to impose their, their beliefs and their policies on the society at large and has actually kind of tipped this on its head. But a few things since, right, the important thing, is you have to be open to uh, people of different ideas, right? As Nietzsche says, I've done many podcasts on this, the idea you have to be open for forgiveness, right? If they're holding wrong views, that's, of course, something you have to allow them to evolve or understand. But even more so, the majority is always wrong. So you have to keep that sense of doubt that maybe you are the one that's wrong. Just because you're in the majority, or what we more often see today is, what do they call that? Uh, ratioed. But I'll give you an example of how ratios really work when you look at them. So let's take one example of a politician with uh, three quarters of a million followers on uh, Instagram. He posts um, a diatribe about uh, Canadians being white supremacists and anti-Islam. Uh, I don't know what from. 
right? We looked and we didn't see any reference. Uh, what it is is uh, this politician is just reading the mainstream media uh, and he is just created that narrative himself. Uh, the real problem actually... Uh, Anyway, sorry. Uh, the real problem is they're believing the media. They've painted a couple people who are just in the convoy, but again, this is thousands of people. Uh, they are, and the people they painted as racist are not racist. I mean, they hold, maybe some of them hold right-wing uh, views, but let's be honest. How many of us know people who hold right-wing views? And they're probably even more extreme than these people they're painting with this broad brush. So it's not based on fact. So again, we have a minority thinking they're in the majority because they have the loudest voice. But 750,000 followers on Instagram. You'd think when you do a post that's about, well, first of all, the post was um, remembering a mosque shooting, which was absolutely horrible. But of course, abusing the ratio because... Then he did a couple of spaces after that paragraph. Oh, let's remember the victims of the mosque. Then he did a couple of paragraphs. Then he said, oh, during this time. Well, then he just did one line and then wrote one line, one sentence, then a couple more. So you'd actually have to click on it to read it. Most people probably didn't even read the racist diatribe below where he called his fellow Canadians white supremacists and anti-Islamists. It's disgusting because he knew very well if it was him even doing it. It's probably some kid who just graduated from gender studies or something uh, who thinks that being a racist, anti-racist, is the solution to this problem. Uh, spoiler, it's not. Read uh, Du Bois, read, um, uh, read Malcolm X from beginning to end. Follow his uh, evolution because that's what we're living through now. We have these toxic children who join extremist groups. We saw this with, um, with Malcolm X, right? He felt so disenfranchised that he joined the Nation of Islam, which was just as toxic or even more toxic. But he realized his mistake. The same can be said of um, W.B. Du Bois. He uh, is the founder of the NAACP. He had to come to Canada to have their first meeting. But more so, he talked about the disenfranchised groups, not just the colored folks, not just the black folk, but the, the Irishmen and the Hungarian, anybody disenfranchised. And yet today, we see people that are closer to uh, segregation, someone who's preaching hate instead of love and compassion and the teachings of Martin Luther King Jr., which makes me even more sad that the same politician has shared a single line from Martin Luther King, and if he'd understood the rest of it or even the man himself, he would not be sharing what he shares. But let's talk about the ratio. So if you have um, three quarters of a million people and you're posting a remembrance, how many uh, likes do you think you might get? Right? Well, 49,000 likes when you have a three-quarters of a million followers. That's, that's not ratio. That's really sad. How about when you get tens? Oh, sorry, that might be excessive. Over 10,000 on last look. Uh, 
over 10,000 comments. And, and none of those are really supported, supportive, sorry. Um, because anything that wasn't calling him out as, you know, uh, hateful and uh, division, uh, whatever they called it, right? Uh, speech that divides. Most people were very nice, very Canadian, not actually calling him out for technically uh, divisive, maybe even discriminatory, racist language, whatever. I mean, just plain and simple failure of, of uh, reason and common sense they could have called him out for. Or just falling for the propaganda. Again, this is not coming from outside sources, which our own media said, well, maybe Russia. No, this is our own media that's pushing these full-on lies, right? That's 1984. I've talked about this before. If you look up doublespeak, the definition arguably is wrong because uh, what Orwell meant by doublespeak in 1984 was that these people would say something that they know to be untrue, but they say it as if it were true. And they try to convince you. That's the gaslighting. They're trying to convince you that they believe this narrative when all they want is to control you. It's, it's, I've said this before. I was never uh, in the camp of appreciating Nietzsche's uh, will to power, but I'm starting to see it now, right? It, it informs you of what these people are doing. So today I just added to this, right? Um, oh, sorry about the ratios. If you have a quarter... Uh, or even uh, three quarters of a million followers, and you only get 49,000 likes on a post that's like a remembrance post, and you get 10 plus thousand comments, that means people actually uh, opened up the post and read it. So what are the odds there? Let's look at that actual ratio. First of all, only a small percent of people um, actually even look at his stuff. So honestly, that makes a lot of sense, right? Um what do they call that? Uh, virtue signaling, right? Oh, yeah, I follow. I follow the progressive politician. Well, you follow him, but that does nothing because you should be following the policies, the ideas, the uh, organization, all that jazz. So it should be hundreds of thousands of likes on the post. So right away, his engagement is a joke as far as from his followers. But Honestly, I can say that the comments weren't from his followers because just as many uh, people who were calling him out for his divisive speech, there were people saying that, I'm sad that you would say such a thing. Not in a mean, and they're not saying, I hate you. They were just saying, I'm going to unfollow you because I'm embarrassed that I voted for you or I'm embarrassed that I supported you or what have you. But does this politician stop and go, whoa, yeah. That was actually, like some people said, it's disgusting that you would use a post of remembrance of those that died in a terrorist attack and try to call fellow Canadians essentially terrorists in the same post. Did he realize that maybe Canadians weren't into that? No, no, he doubled and tripled down. He put uh, two more posts in the same format and he got the same ratio. These people, I'm pretty sure it's just kids running their social media so they don't understand, the politicians don't understand. But to those who, of us who understand, it, it is a little beyond, um, beyond the pale. But what I think of is when Stalin died, right? Because it fits. If you remember that Orwell was writing 1984 to remind us 
of what to watch out for based on Stalinist regime, how it began, right, as the Bolshevik revolution and and uh, a, a counter-revolution to, to the white Russians who arguably weren't very good to their, uh, their population, starting to sound familiar. But when Stalin finally died, it was a bit of a shock because it just happened just like that. Now, the next in line, um, I can't remember his name. The next in line was a bit of a, a you know, a bit of a, well, he was in the cult of personality uh, of Stalin. So he was very distraught at the loss of Stalin. And he was, of course, his second in command. But he was a lackey, just um, essentially a mindless little minion. Then there was uh, Beria. Beria was his uh, secret policeman, right? Arguably the most powerful man in the country next to Stalin because he controlled the secret police and with fear, fear, he controlled the people and the military and other politicians. Then there was the man who actually ended up taking over. And what he did is he actually kind of gaslit um, uh, Stalin's little minion, uh, making him think, oh yeah, we're all setting this up for you, but you know, did everything in the back and just got rid of him in the end, right? Just said, sorry, you're nothing. And what is he going to do, right? He's just a minion. Beria, the secret policeman, actually he just either told lies or told the truth. Doesn't really matter. Just uh, outed him for some horrible, horrible uh, habits that he had. It's not, uh, it's not out of the look at our politicians. We could do the same for them. Out them for going on vacation. During a uh, during a, a holiday meant for remembrance. So what ended up happening is Khrushchev took over, not because he was next in line, not because he had the most power, but because he had the most propaganda. So what he did is he brought together uh, the the Politburo, certain select, and he gave a speech. Now the speech is called the secret uh, speech. But when you translate it from Russian, it's actually called the dangers, I'm paraphrasing, the dangers of the cult of personality. Because what he opened up in this speech is first, of course, there was this cult of personality. I mean, Stalin had passed and he had run the country from what, 28 or even 1923 to 19, you know, mid-50s. It's 25 years, near exact 25 years. So it would have been what, 53, 28 to 53. So he had to tear down this cult of personality. So he was intelligent about this, right? He didn't want to tear down the man himself, again, because he was idolized and thought near perfect. That's where we're failing with so many of these leaders, scientists, uh, who are unwilling to admit that they're failing, uh, you know, like everyone else. But Khrushchev wrote this letter who outlined our mistakes, right? Like, because they didn't want to we're going to see this happen with uh, the Canadian Liberal Party because they needed to talk about where Stalin went wrong, but they couldn't um, talk bad of Stalinism. So here we sit today. I'm actually watching this happen, right? These people are acting as if we are in Stalinist Russia, right? Because you can't say anything against 
the leader, or even against the, uh, the narrative. Because if you want to say something, you actually have to do exactly what they had to do in Soviet Russia. You had to, you had to uh, attest to your loyalty to the party and to all of this before you ever proceeded to, to say anything or share anything. Right? And that's what we're watching. So, anyways, I wrote, this is very timely, what I wrote about the insular culture being radicalized by suppression. I was right about the small fringe group holding unacceptable views. They were a small fringe, but the resulting treatment led to an explosion in growth, not just in their cult, but in so many others. I predict this will be the same result. Painting your fellow citizens as Nazi for one flag holder, and we all know that uh, you know, there are people that uh, would do that just to get on TV or just for the lols. One flag warrants three posts calling Canadians racists, white supremacists, and NSDAP supporters. Well, I have news. I have relatives who gave their lives for this fight and have stories for these politicians. Stories that need told. Because, yeah. <laughs>